Skeptical buyers are everywhere these days. With a mountain of information coming at us from all directions, it's really no surprise. But what if you're trying to sell to skeptical buyers? What do you absolutely need to know to be successful? Today's guest has some answers for you. Stay tuned. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, the weekly podcast for smart executives, managers, and entrepreneurs looking to improve their business performance and bottom line. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelschner, and I've got an amazing guest for you today. He's Jeremy Miner, the chairman of Seventh Level, a global sales training company that was ranked number one by Inc. Magazine in 2020 and 2021 as among the fastest growing companies in the USA. Jeremy has been featured in Forbes, USA Today, Entrepreneur Magazine, and the Wall Street Journal, and a host of other publications on the topic of sales, persuasion, and the role of psychology and human behavior in the buying process. He says his particular brand of sales training pioneers the use of behavioral science and human psychology within the sales process and reflects his extensive study of the subject from Utah Valley University. He says it's helped over 393,000 salespeople and counting in 37 countries over the last three years, helping them achieve three, five, and even 10 times more sales results. Lucky for us, he's put some of that wisdom between two covers in his new book, The New Model of Selling, Selling to an Unsellable Generation. I am looking forward to learning more about how this works with skeptical buyers. Let's have him join us Mm. now. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Jeremy. Hannah, you know, thanks for all those kind words. I'm going to take all of that as a compliment because my kids say I'm pretty boring. So thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, you know, the subtitle of your new book, Selling the Unsellable Generation, makes it sound Mm -hmm. like some generations are more skeptical buyers than others. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Well, it kind of all goes back to this. You know, just one thing that we all have to understand is the amount of information and distractions that are going through our prospects' brains pretty much 24 hours a day, seven days a week, probably even while they're sleeping in their subconscious mind. You know, I talk about this when I do a lot of keynotes and and workshops and different things that, you know, we're constantly being sold to all of the time, okay? You know, one of our clients, Brandon Kane, he's the author of uh, New York Times bestseller, Hook Point, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World. He's a huge social media marketer in Hollywood. He actually says in the book, I could be misquoting him, but he says that there are actually over, you know, 3 billion content creators that you as a company, okay, as a, as a business owner, or if you're a consultant or salesperson, whoever you are listening, are competing with you, pulling away your prospect's attention from what you're offering. And, you know, a lot of times when I say that, people are like, no, 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 that, that, that's not the case. But the problem is, you're, I mean, you're really competing against 15-year-old kids on TikTok, right? Because they're distracting your prospects away from what you're trying to, to present to them. And I think, you know, when, when I say that, people are like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not being sold to all the time. And I'm like, well, I want you to think about it in a different way. When you wake up in the morning, besides going to the bathroom, What's probably one of the first things you do? Well, you get on your cell phone, 
you get on your social media, you start scrolling down, and what do you see? You see ads trying to sell you something, right? Right from the get-go. Sometimes you do it before you even go to the bathroom when you wake up, right? You walk into your kitchen because maybe you're, you know, you're getting some coffee, making some breakfast, and you turn on the TV, and what do you hear there? What do you see? You see commercials trying to sell you something, right? Well, it doesn't stop there. You get in your car, you turn on the radio while you're driving to work, and what do you hear? Radio ads trying to sell you something. And oh, by the way, you drive down the road and you see these big things off to the side. They're called billboards. And what are they doing? Trying to sell you something. You get into work. What's one of the first things you do besides checking your email? Checking your email, you get you know, cold emails trying to sell you something, right? Then you get back on your cell phone, start going through your social media. And then you see, you know, your aunt, you know, pitching her latest, greatest network marketing opportunity. So you're constantly being sold something all of the time. And because of that, you know, human beings have built up this wall of resistance that anytime they hear lingo that salespeople use or words that most companies use when they're trying to sell, it immediately triggers sales resistance. The wall comes up and they typically emotionally shut down. That's what I mean by that. So are some generations more susceptible to all of these marketing messages in terms of tuning them out or not? Yeah. I don't know if there's really any studies that prove that. It would just be everybody that's alive right now. I mean, we quite literally live in the information age, right? I mean, information is abundant. 20 plus years ago, it really wasn't, right? Before the, I mean, the internet kind of was there. She didn't really have social media like you have it now. Right. So because of that, your prospects are distracted all of the time. So you have, you have less time to build trust, right? And you are far less credible because they feel like they're being sold to all the time. So you have less time to build trust and they are far more skeptical and cautious about making the wrong buying decisions than they have ever been before. And that will only keep going that way. Well, maybe that's why some schools are starting to create misinformation courses to help people ferret out that not every message they receive is of equal weight or equal value. But let's talk well, about how the, these the skeptical thing. buyers well, create challenges yeah. for the sales process. Yeah. And, and let's talk about kind of what you just said there. I think that's quite interesting. You know, schools are, you know, trying to teach about misinformation. But the problem is, is that everybody believes that their information is the correct one. So how do you actually even do that? That's everybody has their own opinions and thoughts. So when you're living in a world where there's all these different opinions. You know, you've got 24-hour cable news, 400-plus channels, all these different social media platforms, all these different opinions from the so-called experts on every side. How do you know who to believe? That's the problem. And that's a whole other subject there. So what do you want to know about these skeptical buyers? Well, what challenges do they create for the sales process? Because ultimately, you know, People buy from who they, you know, know, like, and trust, and there's not a lot of time mm. to build trust. So where do you begin well, if mm. you have a product that is factually yeah. accurate? We're not trying to scam somebody. We're not a, a prince sure. from Nigeria. We've got the real deal. Mm. In the short amount mm-hmm. of attention span that people have these days, mm. how do mm-hmm. you recommend we start building trust? Well, you only, that's a really good question. Uh, you only really can build trust 
by learning how to disarm your prospect, even from the very first words out of your mouth. And I'll, and I'll give you kind of a background of what I mean by disarming a prospect, okay? So just behavioral science 101, because like you read there, my background in, in university was behavioral science and human psychology. And the way our brains work as a human, within the first seven to 12 seconds of any sales interaction, we're involved with the prospect, okay? Just so everybody listening understands what's going on in a prospect's mind, okay? Your prospects are subconsciously, now they can't even help it, okay? Just the way we're wired. So your prospects are subconsciously picking up on your verbal and nonverbal cues from your tonality and what you are saying and or asking that triggers their brain to react in one of two ways. Now, that's a scary thing if we don't understand how they're reacting, okay? Because if we come across too excited, you know what I mean? Like overly enthusiastic. It's that like sleazy salesperson type of thing. If we come across needy, everybody knows what I mean by that. You can tell when you're needy on a call or an internet action. Or if you come across attached, that's the key word, and you don't know the right questions to ask, you don't understand the right tone, it triggers the brain to go into what's called fight or flight mode. Now, I think everybody's heard of fight or flight mode, but do we understand that it is a triggered reaction from us? It's not the prospect doing that, okay? We're saying something or we're asking something or our tone is triggering them to go there. And that's where they try to get rid of us, right? We're, oh, I'm too busy. Uh, can you call me back next week? Or, you know, we already have somebody for that uh, before they even know what you're doing. Or we don't have the money for that before they even know if they have a problem. Or, you know, uh, hey, just, you know, get to the point. Enough with your questions. Just tell me how much it's going to cost. Now, tell you if I'm interested. That's because we're triggering that reaction from them. It's not like they woke up that morning and they're like, you know what, that salesperson calls me at 3.15 today. After they ask me the third question, I'm going to go into fight or flight mode and try to get rid of them. It's a triggered reaction, okay? Now, once we learn, okay, and this is all taught, how to come across more neutral. And what I mean by that is more unbiased. Like you're not quite sure you can help yet because you don't know enough about what's going on, right? Especially at the beginning, you come across more calm, more collective. And here's the key word, Hannah. You come across more detached, okay? You understand the right questions to ask. You understand the tone. It causes their brain to become curious enough where they feel like they want to engage, okay? They want to open up to you. You because they feel that you might have something important to them. Now, they don't know what that is yet, but there's a different the way you're coming across. So we have to learn as a, as a business owner, or if you have salespeople that you're training, how to come across more detached from the expectations of making the sale and instead focus on whether or not we can actually help them solve their problems. Okay. Now, do I mean when we get into a sales interaction that it's not our goal to make a sale or at least progress it to that buying decision? Of course not. Okay. Of course, that's what you're supposed to be doing, but you want to keep that to yourself. Okay. You don't want to communicate that to them because the moment that they feel you're just there to sell them so you can make money is the moment they emotionally shut down. Okay. So that's kind of the first part of that is we have to understand what's going on in their mind. Are you with me on that so far? Yes, I can follow. The question is though, yeah. it's one thing, you know, once you get their attention, but some people mm. shut it out before you even get a chance to get the first word out. So how do you recommend you even get on their radar? Well, that's because of what I just went over. They're shutting you out by what you're saying initially. 
I mean, it's not like they're going to shut you out before you even say a word. If you say, yeah, is this, and it depends on if you're cold calling, calling an outbound lead, inbound lead. There's some differences right there. But what you want to learn, we, we call this the ABDs of selling. And that stands for always be disarming. Okay, ABDs instead of the ABCs, all right? So from the very first words out of our mouth to the middle of that sales process to the conclusion of that, whether you sell B to B or you sell B to C, you're asking the right questions with that right tone that causes the prospect to relax, okay? Causes them to feel comfortable. That is how trust is built. Trust is not built. And this is, this is a common misconception by so many salespeople. And I'll tell you where it comes from, okay? When people say that, and you were kind of alluding to it a while ago, and you probably mean something different, but, oh, people buy from people who they know, like, and trust. Well, that comes from a book from Dale Carnegie, which is a really great book. I mean, the principles in there are very valid. However, that book was written in 1936. We're in 2023. Okay, in 1936, they didn't have the power of the internet. They didn't have social media. They didn't live in the information age. They expected a salesperson to educate them about their products and services. And yes, people bought from more of the people who they liked, who they already trusted because of that likeness. But in our day and age, people buy from companies and people who they feel can get them the best result. If they like you, it's just a bonus. They don't necessarily, oh, I like this. I love grandma, but you're not necessarily going to buy from grandma if you feel somebody, a complete stranger who owns the same type of business can get you a better result than grandma. You're buying from that person. It's not that you love Amazon per se, or you love Jeffrey Bezos, but you're buying more from Amazon than your neighbor who you really like who owns the local retail store down the street, right? So people buy from people who they feel can get them the best result. And if they like you, it's just a bonus. That's how kind of that whole conception. So I'm always very careful when people say like, oh, you got to get people to like you. No, you got to get people to trust you. Trust and liking is completely different things. You can like your neighbor. It doesn't mean you're going to trust him or her that they're going to get you a better result, though. That's much different, okay? And so we, we build trust by triggering the prospect to let their guard down. Okay. So I'll give you, I'll just, let me give you an example. So let's say if, um, you know, I don't know, I'm just throwing something random out there. Let's say that you sell business consulting and let's say you help uh, small, you know, SMB type of companies scale their businesses. Your, your company helps them build better operations and processes and, you know, marketing. I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing stuff out there. Okay. So let's say that you start talking to like a C-level executive, you do a cold call. Within the first 30 seconds, they say, well, hey, why should we go with you? We already have a company that does that. Or we already have somebody that does that. Okay, well, what do you do? Most salespeople are like, well, the reason why you should listen to me is because of X and Y and Z, and we have the best this and we have the best that, which you know, every salesperson says they have the best, right? So the prospect just automatically tunes that out. So instead, you want to find out why they even asked that question in the first place, why they even said that. So we have to first disarm them. So instead of trying to prove to them why they should listen to you, you want to basically get them to lower their guard down first. And you would say, well, I'm not quite sure that you should yet. You know, we'd, we'd have to understand a little bit more about, you know, kind of what you guys are doing right now, like to build out your operations and the results you're getting from that company compared to maybe where you're trying to be you know, just to see if we can even help because maybe you're better off staying with that company. Are you opposed to having a brief conversation around that? See, see what I'm doing is I'm disarming them by saying, well, I'm not quite sure that you should yet. And then you pause two seconds. 
You're going to watch your prospect's body language. Like if you're in talking to them, completely lower the guard. If you're on the phone, they just relax because you're basically admitting that you don't know enough about their situation to see if you can even help them because maybe they're better off staying with who they already have. When you do that type of reaction, it causes them to just relax and let their guard down because they're not used to salespeople being that way. It portrays that you're more of an expert, more of a, a trusted authority who doesn't need their business. You've got lots of clients that you have. And that's just kind of a, just a basic example. See what we're doing there? Yeah, I see what you're doing there. And um, that's fascinating, Jeremy. It really is very interesting. In terms of the overall sales process, are there certain milestones that sellers need to keep on their radar when selling to a skeptical buyer? What we find when, when companies bring us in to audit their salespeople, and this is even in Fortune 500 companies, okay, we find that most of their salespeople, for the most part, are personality selling. And what I mean by that is they're just pretty much winging it. They each have a few different questions they ask. They try to find a problem. And as soon as the prospect tells them a problem, they immediately go into their pitch on how their solution solves that. And most of the time, it's way too early in the conversation. They haven't built enough trust or credibility yet. And the prospect says, well, I need to do more research. I need to keep looking around. So you want to follow a structured sales process. So what we train salespeople to follow is what's called NEPQ. Now, that stands for Neuro-Emotional Persuasion Questioning. Okay, it's our methodology based on my behavioral science background and my sales career before I retired to start seventh level. So we're going to start off by asking our prospects what are called connective questions. And connective questions take the focus off of you, the salesperson, and put it immediately on the prospect, which causes them to feel more comfortable because they're talking about themselves. You know, and there's different examples for different issues of that. Then we're going to move into what's called situation questions. And situation questions help them, the prospect, and you find out what the real situation is. You know, most prospects, when we first start talking to them, as, as you know, Hannah, don't even know what the real situation is. They might have an idea, but they don't really understand the full breadth of it because they're an insider, whereas you're an outsider looking in at it. Okay. So we're helping them find out what the real situation is. Because before you can build a gap from where they are now compared to where they want to be, you have to first help them see what their situation is. Now, you can't tell them what their situation is because you're biased. You're the salesperson that will just go in one ear out the other. But your questions allow them to tell themselves. So you're almost like the guide or facilitator of that. Then we're going to move right into what are called problem awareness questions. Okay, this is all structured. Now, I don't want to say it's, you know, you have a sales structure or script, but you can't sound like you're reading it. It has to be natural. Right? You have to memorize your lines like an actor or actress would, right? So you're going to move into problem awareness questions that basically help the prospect find out what their real problems are. You know, just like their situation, most prospects don't know what the real problems are when you first start talking to them. Or maybe they know they have a problem, but they don't understand the depth of the problem. They don't understand how bad the problem really is. Maybe they don't understand what the consequences are if they don't do anything about solving the problem. Okay. So basically, problem awareness questions help them see what their real problems are. And not only that, the root cause, like what's causing the problem. And not only that, how are those problems affecting them even personally? That's where we start getting them into what we call their emotional state. That's when they open up, they go below the surface, okay? Then we're going to move into what's called solution awareness questions, that stage in the process, that basically help the prospect see and feel, most importantly, what 
their future is going to look like once all these newfound problems from your question are actually solved. You know, what we call that their objective state. Okay, then we're going to, once they feel that, they see that, we're going to move into a consequence question that basically gets them to question their way of thinking of what the consequences are, the ramifications are, if they don't do anything about solving these newfound problems. Okay, that builds massive urgency for them to want to do something now, not months or years down the road. Okay. Then if you sell B2C, you're going to transition into your presentation. If you're more B2B complex environment, you're transitioning into whatever the next step is. Could be a demo. You know, if you sold SAS, it could be, you know, meeting uh, the department head. It could be, you know, meeting the board. It just depends. could be going over a proposal. So you're following that structure. You, you know where you're going from point A to point B. So when companies put in that sales structure with their entire sales department, they know if they're having problems in certain areas, they know where to fix it. Most companies just have all their salespeople wing it, and they just don't know what to fix because everybody's doing something different, if that makes sense. So our process is very duplicatable. We train 158 different industries. We're able to go in any industry, doesn't matter what it was, and duplicate like that because of the process. And if there's salespeople struggling, we can identify what part of that process they're struggling in and correct that, and then they can help scale that. So it's more duplicatable, if that makes sense. Well, that sounds like a great process, Jeremy. I'm curious about your book, The New Model of Selling. I think mm -hmm. you've sort of alluded to what makes you different from the Dale Carnegie method. And sure. what inspired you to write it? Uh, well, you know, my co-author and I, Jerry Acuff, he's the uh, CEO of Delta Point. It's a, it's a major sales consulting firm on the East Coast. That, and they kind of more specialize in like pharmaceutical sales and, and that type of thing. They're very huge in that industry. But we got together and uh, Jerry's written five best-selling books. And we're like, you know, let's write a book of all books. Let's write a book where it's not just theory, because that's typically what most sales training books have. But there's actually tactical training, like what questions to ask, why you're asking them. And so we wanted to do that just for the everyday salesperson, you know, uh, selling anything, you know, that could be selling cars to life insurance, to real estate agents, to, you know, uh, SaaS, to medical device. I mean, it, you know, just all over the board. We pretty much train every industry at this point. And we wanted to give them some ammunition. And, you know, like I was uh, saying earlier, I think that, you know, I always ask, you know, what's the biggest problem in sales? two companies. And they're like, well, they'll give me a list of things. And I'm like, well, okay, those are problems. But the biggest problem in sales is the problem that you don't know you have. Because if you don't know what your problem is, then how on earth do you ever know what to do to change or fix it? And so the book, from what our clients tell us, and this is all the way from Fortune 500 companies to, you know, S&B down to, you know, individual salespeople that sell anything you can think of, is that, you know, once they go through our, our virtual training and group training programs, and, you know, once they go through the book, it's like they took the red pill in the matrix and they see sales completely different than how they used to see it selling the old way or like consultative selling. They see it completely different. And so, you know, that's really important to us when, when a client say that because it gives them a whole different take of what selling really is and the tactical skills necessary if they, they want to do exceptionally well as an individual salesperson, even if they're already doing good, how do they double or triple what they're doing? And if they're a business owner, 
how do they scale from where they're at? And that book is kind of the first step in that direction, if that's what they want. Well, that sounds like a great resource that everybody really should have on their shelf to come back to, because as as you say, it's a different process, one that they may not have been trained in. So it'll take some time for them to get comfortable and familiar with the way that you've laid this out. So this has been great, Jeremy. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time and especially everything you do to help sales professionals and their organizations be more effective and successful in connecting with skeptical buyers. Because, you know, as you point out, they're they're all over the place. They're being bombarded with messages and we need to find a way to to get through. So if you're listening and you'd like to know more about Jeremy Miner and his book, the new model of selling, selling to an unsellable generation. That information, as well as a transcript of this interview, can be found in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends about yeah. the show. Leave a positive review. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Business Confidential Now. Until then, have a great day and an even better tomorrow. <laughs>